welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for August 22nd, 2021, titled, Complete in Christ, by Reverend Joyce Shin. Let us pray. In your word, reveal to us, Lord, the fullness of your Son. Teach us that he is all in all, sufficient and complete. Amen. Diana Butler Bass, a theologian who once spoke at Swarthmore Presbyterian Church, tells a story in her new book entitled Freeing Jesus about a time 10 years ago when she heard Jesus speak to her. Though she had often heard her own inner voice speak while meditating or taking long walks, this was the first time in her life, she says, that an out loud, clear God voice spoke to her. Here's how she tells the story. My knees hurt. The cushion at the marble altar almost did not matter. I could feel the cold in my legs, the ache of unanswered prayers. Where are you, God? I asked. Silence. I looked up at Jesus in full triptych glory, surrounded by angels, robed in cobalt blue against a gilt background, shimmering sanctity. The small chapel in the great cathedral was one of my favorite places to pray, mostly because of this Jesus. Today, however, I was restless as I gazed intently at the massive icon of Christ. Usually, the image drew me deeper toward God, and the railing where I knelt was a place of awakening and wisdom. Where are you, God? I asked again. Silence. God, a quiet plea, really, the most incomplete of prayers. Get me out of here, a voice said. Was someone speaking to me? I looked around behind myself. Get me out of here, the voice said again. I stared up at the icon. Jesus, is that you? Get me out of here, I heard again with more insistence now. But Lord, the chapel fell away, but I know I heard a divine demand for freedom. I was not sure what to think, but I also didn't want to tell the priest who was wandering up the aisle. I doubted the Washington National Cathedral would take kindly to the Son of God looking for the exit. And I wasn't sure what to do. Smuggling an altarpiece out of the building wasn't going to happen. Instead, I got up and nearly bolted out, all the while envisioning how I might rescue Jesus from the cathedral. I felt bad leaving him behind. This story introduces a book Diana Butler Bass wrote on the need to free Jesus from any single or narrow way of defining him. 
Just as we might take care not to put God in a box, she writes, we must appreciate the breadth of who Jesus is. There are different Jesuses one encounters in the Bible and in the course of one's life. Jesus as friend, teacher, savior, Lord, way, and presence, to name a few. It is like that hymn in our hymnal that acknowledges Jesus as both lamb and shepherd, both prince and slave, both peacemaker and sword bringer, both clothed in light upon the mountain and then stripped of might upon the cross, the one who both walks beside us and sits in power beside God, the one who is both earthly and cosmic. From the beginning, Christians have called Jesus by many different names, even his earliest followers, the disciples of Jesus. While they certainly believed he was the Messiah and left their families and livelihoods to follow him, as Jews who were taught that God and only God was to be worshipped, they didn't imagine bending their knees to worship Jesus. As many names as they believed him to be, as the prophet Isaiah foretold, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace, it wasn't until their Messiah was resurrected that they considered worshiping him. Confessing the fullness of who Jesus was didn't begin really until he died and was resurrected in glory. Only then were hymns composed confessing who Jesus was. The oldest such hymn is found in Paul's letter to the Philippians, the end of which is still sung by churches today. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confessions about who Jesus was appear in several letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches that he planted throughout the Roman Empire. The scripture lesson we heard this morning was one such confession. It was likely something that the early Christians confessed in worship. What is distinctive about this passage is that it goes further than any other confession in the New Testament in asserting the creative role of Jesus in the cosmos. Not only was Christ the one through whom God created all things in heaven and above, in the earth and above, things seen and unseen, but in Christ all things continue to be held together. Christ's creative power sustains the cosmos so that it doesn't disintegrate into chaos. While these themes exist in other New Testament letters too, in those letters the emphasis is placed on Christ's return at the end of time when all would be made right. Here, in the letter to the Colossians, the emphasis is on what has already been creatively accomplished by Christ. In Christ, the church is already a new creation. Why do we find this emphasis in the letter to the Colossians? 
You see, at first, the early Christians and Paul himself had expected Christ's return to be imminent. The more time that passed, however, without Christ returning, the expectation for an imminent end began to cool. And into this vacuum came teachers other than Paul, who began to teach ideas that, in order to be reconciled to God, the Colossian Christians needed to observe certain festival practices, eat and drink only certain things, and have certain mystical visions. They began to judge the Colossian Christians on the basis of whether or not they observed these practices and had these visions. This was unacceptable to Paul. For Paul understood that what Christ accomplished for the world was sufficient. The reconciliation that Christ made possible through his death on the cross was enough. The last thing Paul wanted to see was a sliding into some system of elaborate dietary and ritual laws by which to judge people. Paul warns them, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition and not according to Christ. For in Christ, Paul says, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him. So in addition to telling the Colossians that their hope already exists in the heavens and that they have already come to fullness in Christ, he tells them that they have already been raised with Christ. By emphasizing what Christ has already fully accomplished in creating and recreating the cosmos, there is no room for anything else. The fullness of Christ crowds out and makes extraneous any other effort to be reconciled with God. It is as though Paul knows well the anxiety that can creep into any period of waiting and the tendency to try to offset our anxiety with activity. Paul sees that the longer they wait for Christ's return, for the grand finale, believers are beginning to doubt their relationship with God. Paul sees how tempted they are to get busy with activity that offers no spiritual benefit beyond what they already fully possess in Christ. How then are we to be in a time of waiting? When we know that the world is not as it should be, when we have energy and desire to make it better, this is the question that Paul recognized needing address. He needed to help the early Christians shift their stance and find their grounding in a world that they trusted was created, sustained, and redeemed through Christ so that they could faithfully, without anxiety, without extraneous elaboration, participate in its recreation. I have always admired people who create things, artists, carpenters, craftsmen, people who engage in a creative process from beginning to end 
resulting in a finished product. How satisfying that must feel, I often think. My mother-in-law passed on to all her children beautiful pieces of needlework that she had produced over her lifetime. Once, when I was admiring her latest needlework project, she told me what her mother had said to her. Women, her mother told her, need to learn a craft because too often their lives are spent with work that is never finished. Housework, laundry, cooking, and cleaning. It is important to have a finished product, one that you can stand back and behold, one that you can evaluate and appreciate. What other insights like this can we learn from artists and their process of creating, and can we then apply to activities that we wouldn't necessarily consider to be artistic? This question has always interested me, so much so that I wrote a dissertation on it. For surely the things we consider to be artistic activity are not the only activities that have potential to recreate the world. What I have wondered most about is how the most disparate and dissonant experiences, things that you would never associate with one another, things that you would never imagine could make sense together, things that seem so contrasting, even opposing, can, in a truly creative process, be brought together, made coherent, meaningful, and even beautiful. Isn't this what we find in Christ? In Christ, his incarnation, life, crucifixion, death, and resurrection, do we not find that the most incompatible and conflicting events and emotions turn into the most meaningful, beautiful, salvific story? With the power to heal and reconcile all things, All artists know that the creative process takes time, time that is neither for anxious filling nor for passive languishing. Creating something takes time that is always moving forward towards some consummation of its component parts. That the church may not consider itself to be a body of artists. As members of the body of Christ, we participate in Christ's ongoing creative work, master creator that Christ is. As the body of Christ, we are a people formed by a man who was both lamb and shepherd, both prince and slave, both peacemaker and sword bringer, who both took and gave precisely because it is Christ who forms us. The church carries out Christ's ministry of reconciliation. And until that day, when Christ is all in all, that is the creative work we have been given to do. Amen. 
you for tuning in to this sermon, recorded for August 22nd, 2021, titled, Complete in Christ, by Reverend Joyce Shin. We'll see you soon, may the peace of Christ be with you.